Welcome to the Talk to You Later show. This is Alex Hicken and Trevor's here. We have an interesting, uh, we have an exciting episode here for the Talk to You Later show. Trevor got his PS5 and we're, I'm going to hear his first impressions of it. I'm kind of excited about that. He's been playing uh, his PlayStation 4 pretty steadily, so he could probably feel a lot of yeah. uh, interesting things. Uh, what have so, you so I far? got the PS5 console shipped in to me on Friday afternoon around like 2 o'clock or 12 o'clock. So I um, yeah, I opened up the box around like 4 and yeah, it was surprisingly huge. The TV I have is like uh, 49 <laughs> inches and... <laughs> When you have the console set up on the left side of it, like I have it vertically because it makes more sense to have it set up vertically. It takes the height of the TV, like half the height up to it, and a little more. So it's a it's a big system mm-hmm. comparatively to the PS4, which is a little smaller. So far, I've noticed a lot of little things that kind of differentiate the next gen from the last generation. When you boot it up, there's hardly, even from just power, there's hardly any weight. And you're uh, taken to like 4K um, home screen instead of a 1080p resolution. So everything's crisp and everything is like split second so when you click into a game you don't have any weight the way you get around to the dashboard is a little quicker it took a little getting used to because in the ps4 it's kind of like a phone you push your home button and you get taken back to your home screen but in the PS5, when you push the home button, it brings up like a multitask bar at the bottom. So you can see your uh, <laughs> different settings, your mic, your battery level, for your controller, or if you want to turn off the uh, console. And then there's a little area on the left side that shows switcher. So switchers are all the open apps you have open or you can switch to so let's say I was uh, watching something on YouTube if I push the home button I can switch to my game or switch to um, the store if I want to check out uh, a new game I want to buy so it's uh, it's like an even faster way to navigate if you want to go back to the home screen, if you hold down the home button, the PlayStation uh, logo on your controller, it brings you back to, like, what would you be? Your, like, desktop, your home screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the other part that makes the console feel like a next generation is the controller. The DualSense controller. It's basically the same size as a... Dual, uh, DualShock 4 
but they extend the handle out a little bit longer so you have a little better grip and it seems like where the joysticks are in the PS4's controller the DualShock 4 it's like filled in the they kind of enlarge the uh, little touchpad in the middle they moved out the buttons closer to your thumbs for the start and share buttons and the biggest things I'd say probably the rumble is a lot more creative you can feel rumbles all throughout the controller instead of just like two or three massive rumbles on each side it's all throughout your controller it's like a what they like HD rumble I think that they called it in the switch it's a similar idea they put kind of like what they had in the switch pro controller it's like that but maybe a little better on the dual sense and then the other thing that they changed is adaptive triggers so they can change and add depending on what uh, kind of resistance they want you to feel on let's say you're playing Spider-Man they have a resistance to let's say you shoot your web and you hit onto the wall so it attaches and then as soon as it attaches and you swing the um, the controller will add more resistance to the trigger so it feels like you were like holding onto a rope or something so it feels like you're actually swinging instead of just like holding a trigger so there's a lot of things like that that mm-hmm. create an, a new experience compared to the PS4 Pro I haven't played Spider-Man yet or any uh, big next gen games yet played uh bug snacks which is a little humorous games kind of like pokemon alex played a little astros uh playroom i think he enjoyed the experience there seems like there's a lot of motion controls there do you have anything about your first impressions impressions playing that i haven't played playstation 4 for years so uh, the experience is not that new or fresh for me. It, it's a, I think it's a good new standard. I, I played uh, the Astros Playroom. I was surprised how long the episode was. I kind of liked how interactive it is. The little touchscreen in the middle is kind of a unique I was able to use that as like a slingshot type thing to pull back and you the resistance is not really felt like you would probably feel in the the right and the left button but you kind of feel the resistance in the haptics as you feel it a little bit and that, that was a little interesting but uh, I, since I don't have, I haven't been playing with the controller in so long. I don't think it's like I don't have much to compare it to. <laughs> yeah. So Trevor, and do you have much uh, 4K content in your video games? 
Not really. Um, it looks like Astro Boy Playroom was 4K. The other games I play are usually 1080, like Overwatch or I think Apex Legends is um up to 4K. I haven't played that in a while though. Um, I'm probably gonna get the Miles Morales game, so maybe next week I can give details on that. One of the things that the PS5 uh, hardware allows you to do is an add-in to games is ray tracing, which instead of placing lights and shade throughout the world in the games you play, you can add with the better hardware, it allows you to put sources. Say if you put like a source, let's say in a room, or you can put the sun as a source, then the engine and the software can create the how light would naturally look coming from the those sources. So it looks more realistic. And I haven't played games with that ever, so it'd be really cool to interact and see how light and objects look comparatively to older generation because it seems like the lighting in older generations oh they're stagnant they don't move but maybe mm-hmm. if you have like moving light sources or reflections like water it will um look a lot cleaner better so I'm looking forward to that. Oh, Trevor, the main game that you play is uh, Overwatch. What uh, differences have you noticed from that gameplay? Yeah. Um, I haven't noticed any clear like distinctions besides loading speeds. Because it's not a PS5 um, mm. optimized <laughs> game, so it's not like much they can do. But, like, when I load in to a match, it usually shows, like, what uh, map it is to a background. But now, when it uh, loads in, it doesn't even, like, maybe a split second, it shows the background. But now it just (laughs) sends me to the character select screen, and I can look at that for a while. Yeah, it's pretty funny because before you'd see the screen hmm. like, oh, you're going to, I don't know, Vizcaya Industries or Gibraltar. And it shows you like a, uh, ma- <laughs> it shows you like a background <laughs> of render of what it could look like. And then it loads you in. <laughs> so you don't know uh, where you're going sometimes. <laughs> No, there's an announcer that says where you're going, so. <laughs> yeah, I feel like mm. maybe the frames per second are faster because it seems like everything, maybe it's the controller is more sensitive than the joysticks. It seems like everything's snappier. Like, I have to get used to a controller in DualSense. Like, mm-hmm. I can, like, pinpoint every movement just by a slight movement on my thumb. So it's pretty crazy. It's like using a mouse, but it's on your thumb now. 
Yeah. Oh, and the other thing they added into uh, the PS5 hardware is a dedicated sound chip. And with that chip, they can decode and encode the audio. So with this generation, they've created a new 3D sound engine called a Tempest 3D engine. So it makes sound sound like you're within the uh, environment instead of being like blasted at you. So it's a it's a little change. I feel like it makes my headphones like completely different headphones. Yeah, that's interesting. So like my headphones sound like a lot feels like more bass like it's more surrounded sound like i can hear a little more distance between each sound if it's closer it feels closer to my ear it's farther out like for it sounds like it's coming from a farther source Hmm. that sounds like (laughs) the main nude thing when you play and how snappy Mm -hmm. the controller is yeah so that's my first impressions of the ps5 on uh overwatch <laughs> i have a topic it's a, a conceptual thing it's coming through from lg so lg is moving on from foldables and coming through with rollables uh, Alex and I have always been uh, fantasizing about these kind of devices, and it's finally fruition, fruit, fruity, making fruit coming out. Yeah, so <laughs> we've heard about LG rollable displays before, but they've putting it into a phone now. So this device's idea is from a phone. You pull it from the sides, and it becomes like a big, bigger tablet or tablet using like a retractable display. Mm-hmm. And the patent describes a smartphone with a vertical orientation, but and then it has a special frame that is meant to be able to roll out from both sides. So you have a triple wide screen. So from one screen, it's going to triple in size. Wow. Yeah, I think this is a good idea better than folding it in half because folding things in half is really uh, destructive, I think. You know how you like fold things back and forth in half. You eventually break. But if it's just rolling it in and out, it's less aware i think on the screen yeah so this is the project b phone i think the project a was the um lg wing so with this architecture they (laughs) say according to this article it can avoid any kind of hinges or creases in the actual display so Mm -hmm. it puts it kind of ahead of uh, current competitors just from avoiding any kind of creases or hinges that might break. 
It says it could be used in landscape um, mm-hmm. to enhance like viewing of entertainment, like TV and movies and stuff. Or maybe it could flex with the phone's metal housing to offer split game gaming, split screen gaming, or additional tasks. So that's a good idea. The only thing we know about it is the Project B name of the phone. I mean, that's called Project B. There's not even a name for it. But it could launch around March next year. Wow, that's pretty early. It's exciting. Yeah, so LG's going on to the uh, next experimental phone idea. The LG Wing was pretty crazy this year. This sounds even crazier. <laughs> LG, is, LG is getting their groove on. They're, getting, they're pushing the cutting edge to the limits. Leaving other companies behind in innovation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a couple of concepts that this the Let's Go Digital has with it. I don't think they're official. I think they're just like some renderings. But they look really nice from the renderings. It still has some kind of... Um, which I'm not like... I'm not mad at it or like disappointed. It has like some kind of uh, bezel on the top and bottom, but it makes sense if you have a roll-to-wall display, you need to house <laughs> those things somewhere. A bezel? What? How could they have a bezel? Yeah. So that's my topic um, for the talk to you later show. I have two wearable technologies that I've been thinking about purchasing. I've been thinking about purchasing this more than the Whoop because the Whoop is oriented a lot more towards uh, the athletes and it's kind of hard for me to balance working out and work in general (laughs) for me. Um, But uh, I've realized that the Aura Ring has a very similar pitch to the Whoop. But it seems that the Aura Ring is not as hardcore <laughs> for the intense uh, athletes. But yeah, it's kind of interesting. Their pitch is that they're trying to help you maximize your rest and your sleep. They talk a lot about sleep in their website. I was thinking this or yesterday or this morning is it'd be kind of nice to have this because on Friday I stayed up really late and this morning I got I yeah last night I also stayed up late but I got seven hours still of sleep and but I kind of wanted to sleep a little bit more because I barely got sleep on Friday night so and uh, this ring would be able to tell you your readiness to tackle your whole day's uh, of work. Sometimes you may wake up and have only four hours of rest and you feel like you could take on the day, but in a couple hours you're sleeping. <laughs> um, it'd be interesting to see what it would say 
like how ready am I to take on the whole day so I didn't have if if I did have the ring it would have said oh maybe you're 80% ready to take it the whole day you're probably gonna feel sleepy later on or if just sleeping seven hours was fine and I'm like in the 90s I could just take on the day and not worry about napping. Aura pitches comes from a very unique angle because no one else has so much technology in a ring. There might be other ones, but Aura is the most successful one. They said that doctors read your vitals and your heart stuff from your finger not from your wrist like a lot of wearables are on your wrist with a smartwatch it's more you'll get more accurate uh, statistics about your health and also the ring is touching your skin all the way around so it enables it to know your temperature of your body and it could get a lot of data from you there and help you understand your body more with that data. With a smartwatch, you can't really get much temperature data from your smartwatch. It barely touches your skin. Uh, it just estimates your body temperature. Another thing that's better in this aura ring as compared to the whoop or the most of the smart watches is that it doesn't use the green LED light that you see in classic um, videos and stuff I've seen the the sensors blinking green it has a technology called photopelthys graphy <laughs> it's a long word I don't really know how to say it but it uses infrared light to see your heart rate and your your get and observes more accurate and more information from your um, veins in your fingers and your heart and blood and stuff what I think about this is that it's more for casual people. It, the data is applicable, but less applicable. I don't know how live it is. The whoop is live. It tells you exactly what's going on. It knows your strain throughout the day. It'll say like, oh, you have pushed your limit. You should probably not do much for your workout today. <laughs> it even has a live coach where it says like, oh, you could do a little bit more. But it seems like this will just say every day, oh, you, your rest was okay. Maybe tonight you should go to sleep a little bit earlier or maybe do a little meditation or something like that to help you wake up tomorrow morning with a better rest. So what do you think about uh, um, this, Trevor? 
Sounds like a good casual approach to uh, body awareness. I'm trying to understand what other things they follow besides just sleep. Because when I looked into Whoop, they had a heart rate variance to show you how stressed and what recoveries need to be done. But the oil ring seems to be able to, I don't know, get your heat and sleep, but... Does it use the body, I mean the heart rate also to find your readiness and stuff? Yeah, it does track all of that. It uses the accelerometer to track your activity and it's more precise. You're right, the data is not as thorough and applicable. I, I think the whoop is more applicable it's may not it may be less accurate but it's more applicable one thing i thought that would be interesting to think about is that this ring you'll buy it once and you don't have to pay worry about paying somebody next month (laughs) but with whoop you got to pay every single month something if you do the 30 dollars a month thing you'll use it for like 10 months and you'll basically equal the same amount as the Oura Ring. If you do the $18 a month plan for the 18 month uh, contract it could go longer but eventually the Whoop services will catch up (laughs) when price so it's like slightly cheaper, but eventually the price of Whoop will catch up with the Aura Ring. Yeah. And you said the Aura Ring comparatively doesn't have as much like live training, right? So like if you're going on a run and such and you wanted to see like, oh, my paces could be faster and I could get better training out of this, but the Aura Ring... Perhaps doesn't check that. Yeah, I haven't read any reviews of it yet, but it doesn't seem like it. Has, it's very live. It just it, you may wake up and it says that your readiness is lower. They track three variables, kind of like uh, the whoop. They track your sleep and your readiness and your um, activity and give you various scales on that yeah that's about it <laughs> I should probably read a review and see if it's live it probably is but it doesn't seem to be as I don't know it could be I kind of want to buy it because it's kind of a more casual ring my wedding ring that I have it's like hollow on the inside so gunk and stuff gets inside of it and I don't want to get junk on my ring and have to clean it all the time the design of the ring is more 
simple. I could wear it in the shower and stuff and don't have to worry about it getting dirty or disgusting or scratched or whatever. I care more about my wedding ring and I take care of it um, by not putting like grease and soap on it and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I I want to buy it. Yeah. And uh, I have an interesting little topic. It's a squid-like creature that lived for hundreds of years. <laughs> Their <laughs> shells uh, apparently had a paperclip shape. <laughs> and they say uh, maximum it lived about six hundred uh, sixty-eight million years ago in what's now Antarctica. Uh, roughly the same time period as a T-Rex. Mm-hmm. Um, and it went extinct at the same time as the da- dinosaurs, presumably for the same reason. They were studying the shell, and it said that the length of the shell is at 50 centimeters intervals. And... They conducted oxygen and carbon isotope testings along the shell to learn more. And in doing so, they found that uh, the methane released into the water suggests that they were surrounded by water. And by adding up the number of ridges on the shell... They were able to calculate its age, and they said that the f- maximum that the spe- specimen specimen could have lived is two hundred years at a time. What? That's crazy. Yeah, they found that there's some modern seashells that live for about two hundred years. Typically, squids can live for like four to five years. What? Yeah, it said the top. The top portion bent back and forth. It was only a paper clip. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure the benefit of having that show. So, <laughs> I think that's interesting. <laughs> Maybe, like, the clipped on to, like, sides of, like, things. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, maybe they clipped on to uh, maybe uh, what is it? <laughs> Never mind, I forgot. What's the sea? Oh. What's the tree of the ocean? Um, uh, it depends how big. Yeah, maybe they, they are. clipped on to like that. <laughs> no, not like, coral. Uh, That's not seaweed. a tree of the ocean. Kelp. Yeah, seaweed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's a little thing that that was kind of funny to read up on. Yeah, and that's uh, the Talk to You Lady show for you. If you have anything else, Alex. No, I would really like uh, the one-year anniversary episode to be special and learn and hear more from the audience. 
So you could send us a message on our page. And this is uh, having a one-year anniversary next week for us podcasting together. Mm-hmm. Thanks uh, for listening and hope to hear from you guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll talk to you later. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> Bye. Thank you.